0: Being disabled or having a chronic illness can feel like you're moving forward in reverse. I'm your host, Scott Martin. Join me and my new friends from this underrepresented community as we talk about disrupting the status quo and creating change within the world and within ourselves. Hey, life's a road trip. Hop in, let's turn on some tunes and go. With me and managing the radio for this road trip is Ryan Wilson. I found something on Ryan that now I'm not doing the usual dig into someone too much, but I found something on him that seems interesting. And I think there's something that'll lead into the other things we're going to talk about. But anyway, it says Ryan is a big Shaquille, uh, Shaquille O'Neal fan. And as a kid, watch as many of Shaq's basketball games as possible. But as he watched his games and dreamt of one day being Shaq's teammate, he saw commercials of kids who looked like him and even had his disability, which is osteogenesis imperfecta or brittle bones. But these kids in the commercials were never happy. Ryan, what do you mean by that? Expand off of that. What about the kids in the commercials not being happy? Yeah, well, you know, when you watch a lot of NBA games as
1: a kid, uh, you just can't fast forward through the commercials at times. Yeah. And so I was seeing a lot of commercials of hospitals which is fine but in these commercials there were kids who looked almost exactly like I me mean, kind of kind of strange um but uh, they were they were never happy because they were you know tied in a hospital bed plugged into a number of devices and surrounded by family and friends as if the end is near and i mean i have been in oh. situations like that and, the, and the, there really is uh, you really have to find some strength to be happy in those situations. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: that's uh, yeah. I, I you make me think about it, and it and there are certain ones. Was it Danny Thomas Foundation um, with Marlo Thomas's daughter, and they run their commercials. There seems to be a certain type of kid that they have on. And of course, they're always ah, happy-go-lucky and everything's super-duper good because they want you to feel good. But also there has to be tugging at the heartstrings so you can open your wallet or tell them your credit card number. But I get it. But I think that there's a thread, and I, I do this quite often. It, there seems to be something when I'm researching my guess: There's a thread from something early on that affect them to do what they're doing now. And I think that the thread for you was something you saw and you mentioned commercials and so production of video and you run something called Team Trust productions. tell us about team trust
1: Yeah, so you know when we're when we're seeing those commercials, a lot of times uh, individuals are, with disabilities are looking for a sense of connection they don't ever see anybody who is living the life they want uh, in front of them. And so I started up Team Trust Productions to kind of change the narrative. I, I think it's important to get the stories of the disability community out there, but also reach a lot of people, because when we're doing that, we're showing anybody, that, anybody with a disability that anything is possible even if there are limitations here and there. And so that was the idea with Team Trust to to really get the stories that matter out there and change lives and show that, sure, you know, a person with a disability may be in a hospital here and there, but it's not their entire lives. And so there's much more uh, than we see in the commercials, and that's the
0: That was the original idea with team trust. Interesting. I'm here. I'm, I'm on your website right now. And I'm looking at values when there's something like that, when there's a header, like values on a guest, I'm definitely going to be interested in going over it and you have some lists that I'll read them for you for, for the audience. Um, and of course, the link to team trust productions is going to be on the life's uh, a road trip website. Um, But number one is getting to know your personal goals, dreams, and desires. And you write at the end of the day, all we have is our relationships. Go on from there, please. You know, getting to know your personal goals, dreams, and desires. What type of person comes to you with wanting you to do some sort of production? And how do you get to know their personal goals and their their dreams and desires as you as you put it?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So We've worked a lot with nonprofits, we've done some higher ad work, and then we're kind of tapping into another industry as we speak, Scott. Um, Mm, And so, yeah, so as we're doing that, it's important for me to understand not what I think the organization should do, but what they believe they should do, because they know Their organization better than I do. They know what their audience wants and prefers and desires and needs and what their audience fears. And so if I don't take a moment to learn about all of those different factors that go on to creating a marketing video, then the video will just fall flat. And so a lot of the times it's Help me understand you before I do anything. And then I'll kind of craft uh, the video we, we make from there. And so, you know, it's, it is all about relationships. It's, it's understanding another person so we
0: know how to help them. Can we get into talking about some of the clients that you have? Are we able to do that? Can you talk about them when I, when I get to that point?
1: Of course. Yeah, we have a few.
0: Okay. Okay. I want to go back first, do a little bit of right hand turn or and talk about you mentioned fears. What fears do you hear sprout up that the potential clients have in regard for how their video is going to be perceived or what they how they want their video perceived by an audience? What do you mean by fears? There are all sorts of fears. Got you, man. Okay, go.
1: Yeah, no, no. There's a pretty long list. Um, But you know, some of the main fears that we hear when we're talking with people about a video are, you know, will will this video be worth it? There is an investment. We don't we don't Uh work for free. So the idea is, how does this solve my problem? Okay, I just gave you a solution. Um, And so the idea is, will it be worth it? What's the ROI? And a lot of times organizations will create a video and just expect it to bring in money or generate lots of views, but they post it on Facebook, for example, just one time and they get disappointed and that cycle continues to happen and so some organizations never see the full potential of a video because they're not working it as much as they really could and so the big fear is the roi and then it's you know will i have time for this um timing um yeah, money, timing, resources, knowledge.
0: Those are the big ones. Okay. So let's, let's get into talking about clients. And I'm again on your website and at the, the top is a uh, heading, um, under films. And I see the first one is seeing with trust para alpine skiing. Who is this that came to you and why did they want you to help them produce a video?
1: Yeah. So Here's a little twist for you, Scott. Um, I actually pitched that video. Okay, I like this. Um, Yeah, so... What do you mean? Yeah, so a few years ago, I was working for the International Paralympic Committee. I was a writer and really interviewing athletes uh, across the world at the top of their game, top of the world in their sports. And I was primarily focusing on alpine skiing at the time. And I noticed that there's really this strong level of trust that is required for uh, a skier with limited vision or who is blind to soar down a ski slope at 60 miles per hour. And they have to trust a guide in front of them. Uh, They just communicate via Bluetooth headsets They're about six feet apart. They're not tethered together. And so, I mean, if you're going down a ski slope with trees, um, both sides, maybe some (laughs) rocks here and there, I mean, man, that, that there's no shortage of trust there. And so I, I was focusing on that for the international Paralympic committee. And then I was talking with one of my mentors and both of us kind of evolved into people need to see this. Um, They -hmm. need to feel what it's like to go down that ski slope. And so I pitched it to the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee a few years ago, and they helped us out, helped us give access. Uh, So we drove from Illinois to Colorado, and uh, it was a remarkable time. Not every project comes together like that, but uh,
0: that was certainly an incredible experience. Well, you're talking about a large organization. how How did you first get your foot in the door, so you could then sit down, or theoretically sit down, and talk about doing this with someone? How were you able to get in to make a pitch? Yeah. Did you already have connections established?
1: Yeah. So,
0: man, those relationships are pretty important. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. It's not what you know, it's who you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now, when I was working with the IPC, the International Paralympic Committee, uh, there was quite a bit of interaction with okay. Team USA and the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. So, uh, they had a pretty strong connection with me already. They had seen my work and they, and we hopped on a call. It was, uh, my pitch was, was kind of, uh, quite a jump from writing articles, but I also had my mentor with me who had done quite a bit of work for other organizations. And so, you know, we just found the right people and, uh, tried to bring
0: it all together. So. so let me back up here a second Ryan. you mentioned that you jumped from uh writing articles to now film production how the heck did you do that that's like jumping yeah. out of an airplane for the first time just <laughs> tally oh. yeah
1: it wasn't too bad uh no it, you know, it all kind of happened in college um you know my initial goal was to Do you play-by-play sports announcing? Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basketball? Yeah, basketball. Yeah, of course. I had to to stick with it. And so I just leaned into that as much as I possibly could. And so the community college I went to prior to the four-year school, I didn't really have too many announcing opportunities. And so I met a really – remarkable professor who was a former, uh, news editor. And, uh, this guy really kind of changed my life. I, I didn't like writing and then I met him and was like, wow, I guess there's a lot of potential in this piece of paper and pen. Um, and so he really taught me that and opened my eyes to this world of writing and because that's what i knew initially i stuck with it for the next few years and then i met uh this mentor who helped me with the, the skiing project and he's a multimedia journalist a visual mm-hmm. storyteller um and he helped me realize that writing is strong but when you can actually see something mm-hmm. unfold in front of you mm-hmm wow, that's, there's a lot of magic there. So of course in college, yeah, you, you troubleshoot, you make a lot of mistakes. Um, you take some bad pictures, do a lot of that bad video. Um, but, uh, I just kept hammering away and, um, look where we're at today.
0: Well, I have to tell you, I, I like the warmth of radio and that's mm-hmm. why I don't do video. Mm-hmm. Also costs involved. Uh, but I'm sitting here, we're sitting here able to see each other. And mm-hmm. I tell you, man, it, when you started talking about the para-alpine skiing, this venture, yeah. which it seemed like it was your first, uh-huh. I could see your uh, just like uh, not a light bulb going off, but just a brighter aura in you uh, that this is really, you kind of fell into something that now you truly love. I, I, I think yeah. it's evident. Nice. Yes. Glad you feel that way. I love, I love it coming across when you know when we find how life can work out pretty cool at times, and things just happen. And if you're not afraid, move forward and take a little bit different route, and you never know what's going to be what's going to be happening. So I, I commend yeah. you. First of all, you had you had the guts to go outside of your comfort zone and try something new, and then you found it and went, It seemed like it latched on to you. You didn't latch on to it.
1: Well, you know, yeah. the strange thing
0: with the skiing piece was
1: it wasn't about me initially, um, you know, it was about trust and skiers that I knew we interviewed. I think it was six or eight skiers, might've been eight. Um, and, uh, what I realized is that having a disability sometimes requires an elevated sense of trust. Um, I used to have people help me out with all sorts of activities of daily living, like mm-hmm. getting up in the morning and going to bed and all that fun stuff. And I'm having to trust these people I don't know to carry me. And so I kind of brought that into the skiing video. And once I I established that mental connection, I was like, well, I kind of a lot of depth here. maybe maybe there's more to the story than than we're capturing. And uh, video has continued to draw up those uh, revelations
0: here and there. well, let's let's jump into something. You're sitting there, you're wheelchair bound. So getting into production, you're right there on the slope and you're seeing as every as the action is moving away from you. Or towards you or who's doing the filming
1: yeah so i just use a wheelchair i'm not really bound to my chair um okay yeah so in winter park i mean we were there over new year's and when you're higher up in the mountains on new year's uh you're gonna see a lot of snow um and so i had a team of Uh, maybe four or five other people. And so one person uh, sat on top of the ski slope or just stood there and uh, made sure the GoPros were turned on for the skiers. Uh, I couldn't really move all that much. I was literally stuck in the snow. And so um, we had one person on top of the ski slope Another, putting the, the GoPro's on at the bottom and then we'd catch the skiers after they were done skiing, uh, to make sure everything came together. And then we'd catch them at a hotel in a conference room to interview. Uh, so it all kind of worked out, you know, sometimes you have to get creative. I can't, I can't lift some of the gear we use. I mean, it's 20, 30 pounds. I just can't pull that one off right now. Um, so I just to find some good people and uh, we collaborate and uh, make the dream
0: come together. You mentioned GoPro and mm-hmm. immediately what shot through my pea brain is what was the time, the, the timing? What did you start to get into video production before GoPro? And then voila, holy cow, this thing's going to change how I'm going to do things. Or did you see GoPro and think, oh, I can use that for what I want to do? Which came first?
1: Uh, I would say my awareness of video and the regular Nikon cameras or Canons mm-hmm. came first. Um, we had, you know, for school projects, we would mount a camera To my chair. Um, We had access to GoPros, but that wasn't really something we tried um, because I was still trying to figure out what a camera was. Um, And so (laughs) the the GoPro idea just kind of made more sense to capture the speed of the skiers and, um, you know, a little tricky to mount it here and there. We had all sorts of chest straps and helmet mounts and all that good stuff. So it just kind of made sense uh, for the pr- production. And then um, we, we use it at GoPro every now and then uh, with Team Trust these days.
0: Oh, so it didn't just totally change the way you're doing things, you utilize it as an option. I mean, you work yeah. the GoPro yeah. in no. if it makes sense to get a different, exactly. to get a sense of speed yeah. or motion or things like that. Okay, okay, got it. All right, so let's go back and well, I tell you what. No, let's change gears. Let's talk about something that might be on the table, or if you if you prefer, you don't have to mention the last group that came to you, but in a roundabout way, if you're not if you. Uh, can't tell us specifically what you're working on or something on that order. Um, Give us a sense of how the most recent project started, where it came from. Was it a pitch? Did someone approach you? And what's been the process and where are you at right now on it? Yeah, so we have a couple different uh, projects in the works
1: right now. They're not really any secrets um, as far as I know. But We've been working on a piece in Southern California. Uh, so that has to do with adaptive sports. And so we filmed a lot of wheelchair basketball, boccia, uh, pickleball, wheelchair, pickleball, uh, pickleball's uh, hot. Yeah, I, I guess it is. That's news to me. Um, and then amputee soccer, um, So there's this organization doing all sorts of fun things in Southern California. And I initially spoke with them uh, two years ago, Uh, just just kind of like an introductory call. There was a good fit, um, but the timing wasn't right to do a video. And Hmm. so we continued our dialogue, and we've been working on this video for... Uh, I guess five or six months now, um, filming different things in no. different areas of Southern California, like L.A. Um, yeah, I guess L.A. a couple different times. So it's it's been a lot of fun. It's always meaningful to get involved in adaptive sports. That's my thing. And so now we We have all the footage we need, and so we're just kind of putting the finishing touches on
0: the video to make sure it's all good to go. That's where I wanted to get to. Now, let's back up a little bit and talk about uh, the process. Do you? All right, so someone approaches you, and you guys come to an agreement, uh, and, of course, you're going to be sitting down. Do you write out how much of an outline of the video or a script – do you create in order to take to them before they sign on the dotted line that they're committed to doing the project? So where does, what do you need to show before they sign?
1: Yeah. Uh, that's that's very thoughtful. Well, I mean, to a certain extent, I'm only doing so much work on the front end. Um, you know, I'm not going to do everything for free. Uh, so, you know, If they come to me, it's likely that they're kind of already familiar with what team trust is, what we do, and what we can okay. do. And so if that's the case, then it's less likely that I need to provide any sort of proposal, I guess, okay. uh, for a contract to be signed.
0: You've been building a Um, reputation and the reputation speaks for itself.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the goal.
0: Um, and so if,
1: if I go to them and they're not as familiar with us, uh, sometimes they ask for a proposal and, in that proposal I can outline yeah, you know, let's say this is for a nonprofit. i just looking to highlight their organization. I can highlight what are some potential things we can get on camera for B-roll, um, who we can interview, what they could say, how long the video can be, uh, so on and so forth. And a lot of that information, quite frankly, is kind of generated from our conversation because I, I ask a lot of questions. I, I don't... they know their organization better than I do. And so all I want to do is just take their vision
0: and essentially make it a reality. So that must be part of what trips your trigger personally, as in to try to get inside of them or inside their organization. So, you know, as much about it as you can compared to that. Okay. Got it. That sounds like you are a trusting, I mean, I, I could see where people would trust you then. Oh, this guy listens to us. He's not just pitching us some shit. It's, hey, he he has an idea what we're doing. All right. So, Ryan, you've got these guys, these these organizations under contract. And now you've got, a, you have an understanding more about what they're doing. Do you sit down with uh, pencil on paper laptop on, in front of you or something? Uh, and write out scenes first or what's your process before you start pulling out the cameras? Because you have to have some idea what you're gonna do first.
1: Yeah, no, we don't wanna go into into any shoot, interview or a B-roll shoot with no plan. Uh, So we'll create a storyboard and that's Mm -hmm. basically a series of shots uh, that will hopefully reflect uh our vision for the final product and so in that storyboard we'll have things mapped out like uh we want a, a tight shot of this we want a wide shot of this uh we want some movements in the camera here and there um and then we'll also illustrate what we'd like the interviews to look like and what we'd like them to say and so the the b-roll it relies heavily on the storyboard and then when it comes to interviews uh, we will list out a series of questions uh, that are relevant to the story and and try to draw out a little emotion and and bring out some anecdotes that resonate with the audience of the organization. And so there's a lot of planning, uh, but it eventually comes together. Okay.
0: But question for you, Ryan, Mm -hmm. how strict are you on yourself to not veer off of the storyboard? Or are there times where you realize, no, we're gonna tweak it. Let's do this instead. I'm never stuck to a storyboard Um,
1: because. Cool. There we go. There we go. Yeah. No, I mean, the storyboard gives us direction. But if if we're stuck to the storyboard, then we miss what's actually happening. Because I can plan all day for uh, a wheelchair basketball event, but I won't know what's going to happen until we're actually there. And so we, we are a hundred percent open to changing things up a bit. Um, once we see how people and how things unfold in front of us. Um, and so, yeah, you know, we, we have a storyboard for direction, but, uh, the people and the events, uh, really tell us what story
0: is actually unfolding. So in my brain, it sounds like there are three parts to this. Understanding the organization and doing your homework and preparing that. And then I'll I'll include getting them under contract as that part one. Second part is getting yourself in a direction with the storyboard and an understanding of what the interviews and things will be like. And the third part is production or including post-production where you put everything together. Right now, Brian how many projects do you have in what I'm describing as the first phase as in the learning phase?
1: Uh, We have a few, but we just signed on with the group in Chicago. Um, Dude, you're getting around. Wow. Well, we've done about 13 or 14 different states. Um, So we just signed on with a group in Chicago Um, that's in the pre-production process, but, Next Thursday, we have a couple interviews to do. Uh, and, yeah, it's a very meaningful project. So, so, yeah, right now that one's top of mind, but
0: others are developing
1: behind the scenes.
0: Okay. So you all, you have things coming up, and you have phases within phases. I, I simplified for the audience just to get phase one. So phase two, right now, how many – storyboards and or kind of scripts are being put together? Uh, not yet been, you haven't shot any yet, but you're developing.
1: Well, I mean, now the one I just referenced is top of mind. That's the big one. Okay. Um, so technically one right now. Um, but it's all in the timing. Sometimes mm. it comes in waves. Um, so we might have more, four or five. Uh, but right now it's, it's one and, and uh, there's a
0: lot going on. I read on your website that people shouldn't worry. You have different groups in different areas of the country that'll do the shoot. Uh, mm-hmm. How many groups do you have right now that are shooting? That are shooting? Yeah.
1: Um, I would say just one... In L.A., um, yeah, like I said, kind of, kind of comes in waves. Uh, we have teams all over the place. Um, they don't always work for team trust, but they're always in the loop with what we need. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, right now it's just one in L.A., but uh, it'll be Chicago. Next week,
0: okay. I want to wrap up with a, a question. I think is a good summary, and it carries the entire show. What made you think up the name Team Trust Productions? Well,
1: um, we were talking about skiing and the project on trust, and there's some key keyword uh, in that. Um, okay. So the idea was. We're filming Trust as a team, but the skiers make a team uh, themselves. And so Team Trust just kind of stuck with it and- uh, It's interesting how that stuff can happen. I know, right? And so we we stuck with it and I think it kind of reflects the relationships we have
0: with our clients. To me as on the outside, a name like that, title like that, Makes me think, uh, I, I, if you put trust in your name, I mean it, it's it's right there, and I think you're developing and, and creating a sense of comfort for anyone that you're going to be talking with right off the bat. So I, I applaud you on the name. Okay, so, um, with that in mind, there you go. <laughs> there we go, man. Okay, two for two. The sound of the VW <laughs> What's that?
1: Two for two. I'm making me jump. <laughs>
0: i'm glad we're able to do that oh a good adrenaline rush is cool isn't it um (laughs) the sound of the vw beetle means it's time to shift gears with the road trip roundup ryan this has been fun i've got five questions for you you answer them however you want man uh it's regarding you and road trip so when road tripping do you tend to stop at do fast food or uh uh, local diners i mean you travel Uh, a lot that's what it sounds like so
1: Uh, occasionally. Uh, it depends on the timing and how tired we
0: are. Okay. All right. A realist. Two, dream car for a road trip. Maybe it's something, uh, your folks had or that just kind of comes to mind. Like, man, we're going to be doing some venturing around. I'd really like to be inside of this. Well, I mean, I do have a wheelchair. Pretty important. Yes, I understand. So there's so, something to understand.
1: Typically, a soccer mom van does the job. Okay. But, you know, if the chair set aside for a moment, Scott, if you have a Lamborghini, I'd be down.
0: <sighs> uh, there you go, man. There you go. All right. Some honesty. Love it. All right. Here's some honesty for you. I'm interested to see if this, you might be too young. I can't tell, but maybe. Here we go. The last cassette or CD that played while you were on a road trip or in a vehicle? Oh, probably
1: one of those uh, now CDs that used to uh, recap like the year in music.
0: Oh, God. Uh, Casey Kasem type of stuff, you mean? You know, Casey Kasem would come on Saturday oh, or Sunday. Oh, probably,
1: you know, Do it was something that my date.
0: mom would always play. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting how our minds go to things like that. All right, straight up, jumping off that path, Coke or Pepsi? Neither. Really? What do you What do you uh, like? T- iced tea? What do you get into? I don't. I don't really drink soda. So, a, of no, a lot of I water. Mean, okay. And milk. Kind of boring. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> We've got a chocolate cake that somebody uh, uh, made for for us that. Will definitely be uh, in uh, going down to shoot with some milk behind it. Uh, so I hear you, man. Hey, I'm from Wisconsin. Milk, yeah. you bet. Cheese too. Hey, uh, question before we get to the last part. Where'd you grow up? Uh well, Central Illinois. So yeah, that's what I thought. Twenty yeah, minutes Central- south of Springfield. So, how'd you get over to Colorado? What What took you there? Was it this?
1: Uh, yeah, my business did.
0: Okay. All right. And do you like it?
1: Yeah. No, I'm not. I was surrounded by cornfields in Illinois <laughs> and and now I don't see any.
0: So it's a good oh, you change see and I have yeah. no
1: plans of going back.
0: Okay, cool. All right, here we go. Last last question, buddy. What's your favorite road trip memory? You go wherever you want. I mean, it could be in Illinois and counting corn stalks, whatever. Uh There are
1: many good memories. Um, I think a big one was when I was in high school, uh, had my wish granted, uh, to meet Shaquille O'Neal in Cleveland. No shit. Yeah. So how about that? Um, and so I still remember that trip, uh, very vividly and it's also memorable because it is, I believe. The only video footage we have of my dad, and he just oh. lit up when we all did, when we saw Shaq. I mean, he's such a, a towering figure, and to
0: have it all in video is, um, is incredible. I did do some reading on, on you, Ryan, and found out that uh, you and your father would shoot some hopes.
1: Yeah. we have a lot of we a lot of basketball fun uh yeah we watched a lot of basketball he saw all those commercials that I'm referencing and yeah uh, yeah. yeah that was that was our thing baseball uh, so yeah
0: pretty cool okay well we're gonna wrap it up here and I want you and I to stay on for just a couple moments and you know, chit chat a little bit. I just want to say to our audience, uh, challenge likes everybody and keep listening to life's a road trip. Do it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. We're good. We're out, man. Thanks for listening. Check out previous episodes with new ones dropping each Tuesday. If you don't see a synopsis of this show where you're listening, visit our website, at life's a road trip. Podbean. Dot com for more information on this week's guest. This is your host Scott Martin, reminding you that life's a road trip.